Talking Transport, the podcast from the Transport Network. After years of planning, we've reached the end of the 26th ITS World Congress here in Singapore, but there's so much to keep you busy on the final day in the Suntech Centre. Coming up in today's edition. Enforcement cultures around the world. When it becomes more tribal and you have people actually within a given country operating in a certain way, their laws and behaviours can be different. Delivering city mobility solutions. How the traffic can be optimised in order to reduce the pollution in different areas. Safer highways. And we do that within uh, 10 seconds, notify the operators that that is going on and they then in turn can spread that information out to the road network. And we talk future congresses. The next stage really is actually working as a country now and bringing in all of our our national stakeholders so we present the very best that the UK has to offer. It's going to be the first carbon neutral congress in mobility in Europe. The City of Angels, the City of the Oscars, it's going to have a really cool vibe. Plus, of course, Eric Sampson's Guide to Sessions. Talking Transport, sponsored by AGD Systems, Coda Wireless, here, Yenoptic, PTV Group, Swaco, and WSP. Years in the preparation, 14 hours from London on a flight. Uh, I've lost count how many shirts I've worn in this heat and humidity, and the week has come to a close. We are looking towards Friday here at the ITS World Congress, and before I go off for afternoon tea at Raffles this evening, I'm going to be in a couple of the sessions here in the Suntech Centre. But which session should I go to? The man to tell me is the man that's been telling us all week, Professor Eric Sampson, the Chief who's just completing his 26th out of 26 ITS World Congresses here in Singapore. So, Eric, thank you ever so much for giving us this excellent guide all week and helping Talking Transport listeners to know where and when they should be heading to sessions to find out the most talked about and key topics of the World Congress. Um, What can we look forward to on Friday that's going to drag us to the Suntech Centre when maybe the beat is calling. Well, I suppose it will be terribly gauche to advertise the closing ceremony where I give my 10-minute summary of the week, so I won't do that. I'm interested in some of the executive sessions. Um, executive 10 is all about the power of data. Executive 11, carrying on the freight theme, um, freight in cities. Um, this is part of the 4 and 11 pairing. 4 does the wet side, 11 does the dry side. Executive 12 is all about demand management. Cities are frequently complaining that the growth of the traffic, they need to do something. Well, Executive 12 is going to look at that. We've got some particularly interesting special interest sessions. Um, 62 is the combination of 5G, this almost here but not quite new comms technology, and its mix with satellite And the two, as is often the case, are far more powerful together than either of them separately. 63's ITS for life. Huge emphasis on, well, what does ITS do for me? How do I benefit as an ordinary citizen? 66 is global harmonisation for safety. But I'm also looking at the plenary session, um, 1.30 to 2.30, how to use intelligent mobility to build a smart city. That, in a sense, is 
the Singapore theme. That's what the whole of the week's been about. So I'm looking forward to that one. It may be the last day. It may have been a very long and involved week and the brain cells have been working hard, but Eric Sampson has just given you a great load of reasons to be at the Suntec Centre on Friday and to visit the last day sessions. And of course, if he's not going to talk about it, Eric's closing address, that 10 minute sum up, is always a highlight of the week because it just makes you focus on the key topics that we've been talking about. Professor Eric Sampson has joined me every day and I am, as always, eternally grateful. Eric, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Paul, and see you in Los Angeles. So let's be joined again now by Jeff Collins, who's the director at one of our sponsors this week on Talking Transport, uh, Yanoptic. And, Jeff, we were talking earlier in the week about the big brother versus big friendly giant aspect of enforcement and actually getting the right message across to the public that you've written about in the latest issue of Smart Highways that is available at the Suntec Centre if you're at the World Congress this week. Um, Jeff, one of the things I've found really interesting here is the the way that the locals in Singapore do stick to the rules and there's one great example which is uh, little areas on pavements where you're allowed to smoke generally you can't smoke in Singapore apart from in certain designated areas if those areas are full people don't sort of hang around nearby and and just smoke and think oh well it's close enough as they would maybe in Britain they genuinely wait until there is a space within the area on the side of the road Um, and it got me thinking about enforcement that internationally when you're an international company delivering enforcement solutions how much is it one size fits all and how much do you have to adapt what you do to fit to the local market and cultures but that that's a very good question Paul Um, because at the end of the day we are all mark one human beings and so you would imagine that we would all do things and operate in exactly the same way which on one level is true When it becomes more tribal and you have people actually within a given country operating in a certain way, their laws and behaviours can be different and particularly uh, the laws in what is permitted, what is not permitted and how things can be monitored and how things can be measured. So one of the challenges for a technology company is to come up with, as far as you can, a common technology solution which can be applied everywhere. But obviously you have to allow that to be appropriately adapted and changed depending on what a specific market wants because no national authority will ever be told no we can't do what you want Uh, we can just do what we want so there is there is a lot of localization or adaptation depending on what some people may want so for example there are some jurisdictions which will not allow you to keep a violation record until you have proved that a violation has been done. And for something like average speed, that is tricky because you're not allowed to actually keep some of the evidential records until you've proved the, the violation has happened, so you have to measure it again. There, there are other places where you have to identify the driver, which technologically is a little more challenging than if you didn't have to identify the driver. And there are some places where the size and the context of the image is absolutely critical, whereas others are happy purely to look at a a number plate and the overview of something. So it is very much around taking common and standard tools but adapting them for what the particular requirements of of any one given area are 
And then it ties into your analogy to, to Singapore as well. People will behave slightly differently depending on the factors which have um, been behind the way they do something. So some countries drive in a different way to other countries. The, the road behaviour in India, for example, is going to be very different to the road behaviour in France. And the authorities who use technology to monitor that have to understand that in the way they would apply it. And of course, a year ago at the World Congress in Copenhagen, it was a light bulb moment for me that a lot of the uh, companies I've been talking to through the years with ITS solutions were plugging reduction in congestion, whereas actually what the Danes had been very good in doing was pointing out the benefits as far as improved air quality and improved road safety are concerned. And those are things that have targets and therefore you probably have an, a better chance of getting the budget to pay for it because if you don't put the uh, technology in, you're going to have a tougher job actually delivering the targets. I guess therefore that, what I'm saying Jeff, is that your job is really, really easy because uh, if you're putting enforcement solutions in, that ticks both the road safety and the uh, air quality boxes. Well, it, it's true. The Most of the things that um, highway engineers and the police are trying to achieve, they, they interlink, they, they overlap. There, there are very few one-dimensional problems. And part of the win-win the for both road authorities and suppliers is to come up with solutions which actually achieve more than one thing to have a wider holistic benefit. And it does require appropriate thinking, so a collaborative approach between whoever is controlling the road and the people that are delivering the solution. Because you, you, can, you can run the risk of having a one-dimensional, I have one problem, I want you to put a solution there, without realising that if you looked at some of the other interacting factors, you could, you could come up with something better. And enforcement is very much something which has these added peripheral benefits, if it is, if it is done right, because as we've touched on before, if you are able to encourage better traffic flow, that dramatically decreases the chances that vehicles will come into contact. And if vehicles aren't coming into contact, you're reducing the number of casualties. And it's a virtual circle rather than a vicious circle. But, but as I said before, the key is to actually looking a little bit above what you're immediately trying to achieve and taking a, a wider, more holistic view around it. And then the benefits can be significant. He's a clever bloke, that Jeff Collins. He's a director at Yanoptic in the UK, who are one of our sponsors this week on Talking Transport. And you can find out a lot more about Jeff's thoughts if you go to the latest issue of Smart Highways, page 42. And Jeff uh, has written an article, Turning Big Brother into the Big Friendly Giant. Pick up your copy of Smart Highways and have a read of that. And uh, it will give you a really good insight into uh, some of the thoughts behind enforcement. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us on Talking Transport this week in Singapore. And thank you for your support for the podcasts. Thank you, Paul. From the ITS World Congress in Singapore, this is Talking Transport with Paul Hutton. So the law of a coffee and a macaron on the Bosch Business Lounge is just something that I couldn't turn down here in Singapore as conference fatigue starts to begin to eke its way in. A good cup of coffee is keeping me going. And on Talking Transport, I'm really pleased to introduce Martin Hayes, who's President and Managing Director of Bosch here in 
the Asia-Pacific region and Stefan Hessel, who is the regional head. So, Martin, Southeast Asia, compared to if you came here maybe 30 years ago, poor is undergoing huge amounts of urbanisation, so is the whole of the region. So what effect is that having on transport and the way you deliver mobility solutions? First of all, it's, it's not a one-fits-all got nine different heterogeneous countries and what we're seeing is solutions have to be tailor-made but for Bosch we believe that the strategy is a three-pronged approach it's accident-free stress-free and emission-free and we provide technologies that can help in all of these three sections or areas and those are then applicable to each of the individual ASEAN markets. You mentioned about nine different markets. We're sitting in Singapore, which is probably the most wealthy of uh, the markets that you're in, I would guess. So how do you deliver different solutions uh, depending on the budgets of the people you're dealing with? That really depends on where we are, as you say, in Singapore. If we look at Singapore, that's an autonomous driving uh, marketplace where they will probably be the number one or the fastest to the market in the world and we're looking basically at systems that can help deliver autonomous driving. So we have a driver assistance technology like lane support and others which actually fit into this area. And then we're looking at uh, EVs in countries like Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia and also we're looking at two-wheelers. So electric scooters in Vietnam and Indonesia. So Stefan, a few years ago I did some consultancy work on uh, transport in Thailand. And obviously it's very different when you get outside of Bangkok. So could you ever actually program a driverless car to be able to cope with some of the roads in Thailand? I think it's definitely a a scenario that can happen, but I think we are still far away from that scenario. If you look at a country like Singapore, Singapore is very advanced and Singapore is very ambitious in terms of the implementation of autonomous driving. And we believe it will happen as early as 2022, 2023, because they have an excellent infrastructure, both physical, but also digital infrastructure. If you look at some of the other countries, um, especially in the rural areas, you're lacking that uh, connectivity aspect of it. And that makes uh, the implementation of autonomous driving much more difficult. So how do you approach it when you've got such disparate markets all in one region? How do you actually get enough expertise across your staff to be able to react to what the customer wants? Bosch is a company with a very diverse product portfolio and also with a very diverse workforce. And we have uh, technical experts for different areas. We are looking at the needs that each of these markets have. And we see, for example, that lots of Southeast Asian countries have a problem with a high number of accidents. And Bosch is a provider of uh, safety systems for motorcycles, safety systems for cars. We were actually the inventor of some of the key safety products like anti-lock braking system, like electronic stability control. And we're making sure that we are offering these solutions to the markets where they are most necessary. But then on the other hand, there are more advanced markets Um, like in Europe, like in the US, but also like in Singapore, where we are talking with governments, where we're talking with industry players about the more sophisticated technology, like autonomous driving, highly autonomous driving, for example. Martin, I want to pick up on the the safety aspect because people who listen to Talking Transport regularly will hear it was a light bulb moment for me in Copenhagen a year ago at the World Congress because for a long time I've spoken to companies who've been pushing transport technology solutions for reducing congestion and actually in Denmark they were selling it on accident prevention and air quality improvements because they have 
targets that therefore you can offset your budget against to see that there is a tangible benefit in a way that if you just reduce traffic jams well that's all very nice but that's fairy gold and so you don't really have a a number you can offset on a spreadsheet against so i guess you're delivering very much uh, both air quality improvements and road safety improvements they're kind of running through everything you're doing yeah that's true as, as Stefan was saying we were the first ones to invent uh, ABS ESP and we've now fitted those into two wheelers and we're going beyond that as well with our driver assist programs as well so it's all technology basically which saves lives, which is true to our motto, invented for life. When, when we look at the pain points that are resulting from urbanization in, in the transportation sector, then we see congestion, we see road safety, and we see air pollution. And air pollution is, is a problem that is taking the lives of many people, actually. There are figures that, that say that you know, 7 million people die because of polluted cities and their exposure to, uh, to pollution. So what Bosch does is we have different solutions to measure pollutions in, in a city environment, but we also have technological solutions for passenger cars, like low emission technologies to optimize the combustion engine. We also have a very broad portfolio of different electrification products. We also have electrified scooters, for example, that can all contribute to a reduction in emissions. And what we are doing as well is we are running simulations and show governments on, a, on the basis of data how the traffic can be optimized in order to reduce the pollution in different areas of the city. And we have successfully run projects already in Germany, in Stuttgart. We have also started in some other European countries and we are planning to do that also in Southeast Asia because here the need is very high to tackle this high problem of air pollution. Stefan Hessel and Martin Hayes are using the global solutions invented by Bosch to really make a difference here in Southeast Asia and they've been our guests on Talking Transport. Talking Transport. Brought to you thanks to WSP, Swarco, PTV Group, Yanoptic, here. Coda Wireless and AGD Systems. One of the uh, weird things about this week in Singapore is while I'm not making the podcast and catching up with people from around the world that I've been seeing at World Congresses for years, I'm getting the next issue of Smart Highways put together, which goes to print at the end of next week. And I've been toing and froing with Mark Begg from uh, Navtech Radar about an article he's doing for us on uh, smart motorway safety solutions. And uh, we've been emailing each other and I've just walked past him in the Suntech Centre and it's like, hello, Mark. So we could have just sat down over a drink and uh, and chatted it all through with a piece of paper but that's the way things work out but i thought i'd grab mark and actually um say to you mark you're uh, director of navtech radar and what has brought you to uh, singapore this week ITS is a great uh, a great opportunity for us really to showcase what we're doing from a future technologies but also understand what the whole industry is doing. We work on a global basis and there's no better place to come and see what everyone else is doing than ITS World Congress. Okay, so here's your 30-second elevator pitch plug on talking transport. For those that don't know, what do you do? We make highways safer. We use a radar-based technology that monitors traffic on the road, identifies when something goes wrong, so your behaviour or something else going wrong, whether that be a stop vehicle, whether it be a uh, obstacle, debris on the road, or whether it even be a pedestrian walking across the road. And we do that within uh, 10 seconds, notify the operators that that is going on, and they then in turn can spread that information out to the road network. 
Now, one of the things we're talking about is the fact that while it's a safety solution, there's also an enforcement solution there because unlike other camera-based technologies, you can actually pick out people that do what we call annoying things while they're driving, like sitting in the middle lane when there's nothing on the inside lane or, or tailgating. You, with the radar, can actually spot those as well as stop vehicle detection, just bad, annoying driving. That's right. So what we're doing is we're actually monitoring every vehicle that goes down the road and we track that vehicle as it goes down. So we can look at their behaviour to say, are they sitting in the middle lane when there's no one else around them? Or are they actually tailgating, not for a 10 metre sort of period, but actually tailgating for someone over a 300 metre distance or 400 metres? The issue there then is the fact that if... It's certainly in England, you've been procured as a stop vehicle detection solution. How easy is it for you to then, under the present procurement rules, be used for other safety solutions? Or do you end up having an issue where, because you answered a particular tender for a particular thing, adding value using the same kit for other things actually becomes more hassle than it's worth? Uh, it's, a, it's a great point and, and you're exactly spot on with it. We are known for stop vehicle detection. It's deployed onto several parts of the motorway already. To actually deploy all this extra value, it's some settings, it's some software upgrades, it, it's that sort of thing. There's no more investment in the technologies. What we find though is that when we try and talk about this, it's you need to go through this tender or show that through a series of other trials. And listening to your accent, clearly there's an antipodean twang in there, Mark. Uh, are you finding this is the same all around the world or, for example, in Australia and New Zealand when you're talking there about implementing the solution? Are you finding a different attitude to the multi-use functionality? What we find is that each of the different road authorities actually takes a slightly different approach so some are more advanced on one thing some are more advanced on the others definitely though there's a willingness to embrace once you have that technology there to really use it and what we found in New Zealand actually is that one of the motorways there they've actually done away with a lot of the camera systems completely and are just using the radar based system because of the, the trust, the reliability that they have on it. Mark Begg is a director at Navtech Radar. He's got a couple of people hovering behind him, so I'm not going to hold up any of his time because he's here to actually talk to people and network in Singapore. But you can read all about the Navtech Radar solution in the next issue of Smart Highways that will be on the uh, doormat or in your inbox uh, in the early weeks of November. You're listening to Talking Transport with me, Paul Hutton, editor of Smart Highways magazine. In a moment, we'll talk future congresses. But first, I'd just like to remind you, if you haven't already, to sign up for my magazine at smarthighways.net. That's smarthighways.net. And a reminder, we can increase your visibility in the industry in an amazingly cost-effective way. To find out more, email my friend and colleague Chris Day at c.day at hgluk.com. And I'm only here because of the support of our sponsors this week. So thank you so much to AGD Systems, Coda Wireless, Here Technologies, Unoptic, PTV, Swaco and WSP. And if you like these podcasts, please do remember these companies in your business dealings. And finally, thanks to all the friends of Smart Highways in our ITS organisations, Ertico ITS Europe and the national associations in the United Kingdom, South Africa, America, Australia and across the Arab region. From the ITS World Congress in Singapore, this is Talking Transport with Paul Hutton. So as I've said, with all the years in the planning, the 
uh, 26th ITS World Congress draws to a close, but the planning process for such an event lasts years because we're looking already ahead to bids for the 2024 World Congress in Europe. I've been joined by Mike Waters from Transport for the West Midlands, which includes the city of Birmingham, Britain's uh, second biggest city after London, uh, which is hoping to be shortlisted to bid for the World Congress in 2024. Mike, so far you've been working on the sort of preliminary stages. How long have you been working on it to get this far? We've been looking at this for at least six months now, uh, talking to stakeholders and colleagues, not just in the West Midlands, but across the UK, because we see this as a UK proposition. Uh, we think we've got some some amazing things that we can showcase in 2024 through the 5G network, through the CAV lab, real-world testing facilities, the simulated environments. And then I think the the human and behaviour change aspects that we're bringing forward and showcasing in the West Midlands are critical as well. My first World Congress was back in 2006 in London. Uh, My company actually supplied a special radio station for the week that broadcast around uh, XL. The National Exhibition Centre, which is where your Congress would take place if you won the bid, is a scale up from the one that we were in in London. We do as smart highways our sister event is traffic that takes place every two years at Birmingham's NEC and has been there for many many years you can get from your aeroplane to the exhibition hall if you wanted to without ever actually having to go outside it's all in one big complex we're incredibly fortunate it's not just the NEC with everything that's got to offer in, in a very compact site with huge demonstration areas as well but we've also got the sister facility in in Birmingham city centre of the ICC so we've actually got a, a couple of really strong choices and I think between those we've got unparalleled opportunity to demonstrate both the culture of the UK and historical engineering culture and pedigree as that morphs into really modern high-tech cutting-edge R&D environments and, and test labs which we can showcase at the NEC and in the local area. It's got such a rich history uh, by the fact that it was pretty much the centre of the Industrial Revolution. Right at the heart, going back to Brunel and Stevenson and uh, the early industry, that morphing then into the British car industry is still very much the heart of the British car industry and that in its turn evolving into the heart of really cutting-edge, advanced manufacturing and engineering and automotive research where we now have international partners basing a lot from from all around the world, Asia, America, Europe, uh, doing a lot of their cutting-edge advanced research in the West Midlands. It's a lot of work for a lot of people to be involved in. Where are we on the stages for the bid? What's your next step? We've gone through through our early stage application. We're in the hands of Ertico and, and we are bullish and optimistic about wanting to 
want to go to the next stage so we're viewing this as we are we're going to succeed why would you start not thinking that you are going to succeed the next stage really is actually working as a country now and bringing in all of our our national stakeholders so we present the very best that the uk has to offer it's going to be a long and form-filling road i should imagine mike but uh being very partisan for a moment on talking transport you have my full support and anything i can do to help out as well best of luck with the next stage and uh, looking forward to talking to you at the opening of talking transport from the uh, its world congress in birmingham 2024 brilliant thank you if you're used to listening to talking transport podcasts you'll know that the final podcast of the week at any event uh, ends with me looking ahead to future events in a few moments we'll have a chat about the next ITS World Congress in Los Angeles in a year's time but before that in Europe the major event is the ITS European Congress which takes place in May in the beautiful city of Lisbon in Portugal I've been joined by Irina Petrescu from Ertic who is communications director. Uh, Irina, what can we look forward to in Portugal next year? Paul, we're very excited about Portugal and we're very excited about working with the city of Lisbon because this has been a focus for Ertico to work with cities to, to get the technologies that we're working on with our partnership and getting them deployed. You're going to see a lot of technology showcase, but it's also about leaving a legacy and showing these technologies in practice in the city. And it's a big focus now of Ertico, isn't it, to be focusing on the solutions for cities because that's where technology is really making a difference. Ertico has been founded to work in cities to deploy these technologies. We've been doing this for 25 years. I think that now it's going at a very fast pace because it's a great moment for technology. It's a great time to be in transport. And we need to speed up the deployment in the city. And we're reaching to a lot more cities nowadays. We're increasing our partnership. In the past month, we had the city of Toulouse and Tricola joining the partnership. We're going to continue to reach out to them. And we have big plans also in terms of training. Uh, We are now offering training through the Ertico Academy for the cities to kind of bridge this gap and making sure that the right technologies are getting to the citizens of Europe. Also joined here by my friend Daniel McDonald who organises all the communications for the European Congresses which therefore makes my life as a journalist so much easier. Danielle, what messages are you getting over about the event? Well we're really excited about the Congress in Lisbon. Firstly the theme, ITS the Game Changer. It gives us a lot to look forward to. We've got a few interesting announcements. Lisbon has been nominated to be the European Green Capital next year and we've decided to up our game as well to keep with the theme and it's going to be the first carbon neutral Congress in mobility in Europe. So we're very excited about that. How are you going to make that happen? Well, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve. We've got an auditing company who will come to calculate the carbon offset of the Congress and then we will plant some trees in Brazil. So we're focusing on reforestation in um, previous Portuguese colonies and we'll also be deploying some cooking stoves in Africa to neutralize the carbon offset. And of course Daniel it's not 
the only Congress that you're working on next year because we've got the first Central Eastern European Congress as well. Yes, Paul, we're doing the first Central Eastern Congress in Kazan in Russia from the 21st to the 24th of September. This is going to be a really interesting Congress and it'll focus a lot on highlighting the ITS achievements of the region, but also to unify the global ITS community under the theme Sharing Innovation, Creating a Connected Future. Well, we'll talk more about that in due course. I just want to finish by asking about the importance of the work that Ertico is doing, increasing the number of women involved in the Congresses. We're seeing more women now than we did maybe eight, nine years ago. It's going in the right direction, but there's still more work to do. Yeah, indeed. This is something that really matters to Ertico and it matters to me personally. And we have done a lot in the past year to, to bring the topic at the forefront front, we have launched the campaign Women on the Move, where we're highlighting some of the extraordinary women that are working in transport. We're also working with the European Commission and with the stakeholders in Brussels and with the platform that the European Commission has launched, the Women in Transport. And I was really grateful when Commissioner Bultz said on the stage uh, here in Singapore that women like ITS as well, because that's very much the case. Can't wait. That's uh, Lisbon next May for the ITS European Congress ahead of the World Congress in October in Los Angeles. Irina and Danielle, thanks for your time. And we'll finish by looking ahead to Los Angeles next year. I'm with Shailen Bat, the President and CEO of ITS America. Uh, Shailen, how's it looking for a year's time in LA? Uh, Los Angeles is really shaping up. I think there's a lot of excitement. We've nearly sold out the exhibition space uh, already. The theme is going to be the new age of mobility and it's this continuing trend of mobility focus. How do we move people, data and freight? That's going to be the focus. And it's interesting because of course everybody, when you think of Los Angeles, you just think of the massive highways of very slow moving traffic. So if there's anywhere where ITS can make a major difference, it's there. Yeah, there used to be this old commercial uh, saying uh, it's not your father's Oldsmobile. It was a terrible ad because it made Oldsmobile look like a really old company. Well, this isn't your parents' Los Angeles. There's a real focus on innovation, a real focus on technology, a real focus on transit. So that sort of history of car choke city, I mean, there's still a lot of traffic, but now there are options. And once uh, some of the, the transit investments start to pay off, a lot more options. And you mentioned freight. Of course, we've got the port of Los Angeles and the port of Long Beach. So we're looking very much at the whole end-to-end solution for moving goods around the world. That's a real opportunity for LA to show off what it can do. Yeah, if you think about it, uh, 60% of the goods that come into the United States come through the ports of LA and Long Beach. This year we're in Singapore, huge shipping hub. Next year we're in Los Angeles and after that Hamburg. So freight is going to play a key theme for the next couple of uh, world congresses. And in freight, there's autonomous shipping, there's autonomous trucks, there's platooning. So um, we really feel like we're just scratching the surface of innovation here. And of course, the fantastic thing is with so many planes flying in and out of LAX and uh, so many hotels around where the World Congress will take place, budget-wise, it's a really affordable trip. So there's really no excuse not to come. Yeah, it's truly a, a, a global city. You can get a flight to Los Angeles from anywhere in the world and many of them. So it's not going to be extortionate. We've got, I think, six hotels that we've got right around LA Live. It's going to be in LA, you know, the City of Angels, 
Angels, the city of the Oscars. It's going to have a really cool vibe. And I'll try and take in a Chargers game at the same time. So, Shailen, thank you very much for your time. And that wraps up an amazing week here in Singapore on Talking Transport. I'll just finish off by thanking our sponsors, who are AGD Systems, Coda Wireless, Here Technologies, Unoptic, PTV Group, Swaco, and WSP. And I thank you for listening. And remember, we have lots of bonus material that will be popping up on the Smart Highways website in the next couple of weeks of the interviews I couldn't cram in this week in Singapore. So I'll join you again for those soon. Thanks for listening. Talking Transport is produced and presented by Paul Hutton for the Transport Network suite of products.